So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read just three verses of Scripture that seem to be unrelated to our topic. But we're going to move into the topic tonight of God's provision for last day's warriors. And uh, I want to start by reading in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm just going to read a couple verses beginning at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. I, I believe Peter could be standing here uh, in this radio room tonight saying this to us, uh, just as he did all these thousands of years ago. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. That means alert. That means ready to move into action. Uh, be, be sober. It, it doesn't really have to do with uh, alcoholic beverage there, although that could be a part of it. Um, but you know how when a person's drunk, they'll miss things? They don't realize that they're going 40 miles over the speed limit. They don't see the pedestrian on the side of the road. They, they miss things. And what Peter is saying here is that we need to be alert that we don't miss signals from the Holy Spirit in the time that we're living in. We need to watch unto prayer, Peter said. So God is calling us to be alert, and He's calling us to prayer, and we believe that prayer will accomplish mighty things. We, we believe that prayer will touch heaven, and our loved ones will be saved, and people will be delivered from addictions, and people will be healed, and all of these things uh, as we pray in the name of Jesus. And above all things, it says in verse 8, have fervent love, or the King James uses the word charity, which is the giving aspect of love. Have fervent giving love among yourselves. For giving love covers the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. It's kind of interesting that that phrase is in that scripture because, uh, you know, last year we had some people that had given to our ministry, but it seems almost like they did it grudgingly. Um, they gave to the ministry and then they would complain that they don't want to be people's bankrolls and all of this. And so we kind of called them on it and they haven't given anything since. But, you know, it's better that way because the Holy Spirit told me when we get the trouble out of the way, then I'm going to bring five good people to take their place. And we've seen the outreaches just absolutely grow. Because not only do we want to be givers, and not only do we want to walk in the love of Christ, but we want to do it with the right motive and the right spirit. And use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now I want you to turn over to 1 John chapter 1. And this is a scripture that most Christians know by heart. But it seems like one thing that Satan is doing in these last days as we're hearing the call go forward to be about the Father's business, to share our faith, to to live lives of sacrifice, to live lives of separation from the world, and all of these different things, Christians can sometimes feel like, you know, I'm not really very holy, and I'm not really very good, and I don't know how, why would God use me, etc., and so forth. 
But I want you to understand tonight that Jesus has made provision for all of us. And all of us are in the exact same boat. We are sinners that need a Savior. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9. And this should solve the question for you. Can God use you? Are you good enough? Are you holy enough? Let's listen to what the Word of God has to say about this. Because we've all got the same problem. Sin. We've all got the same enemy, sin. And here's what the Bible has to say about it. If we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we can see right there that every one of us can be qualified to be used of God. We simply need to go God's way, confess our sins, turn from those sins, and He will cleanse us, He will forgive us, and He will use us in His kingdom. God is not simply calling big preachers to go to prayer and to go to battle for the children of this generation. He's calling every single Christian because every single Christian it has sin in their life at one time or another, at one point or another, and everyone has turned to Christ for forgiveness, and so He's willing to use all of us to, to go out into battle for this generation and to preach the Gospel so that God has a voice in this generation and time that we live. And so in your town, you are part of that voice. In your community... And I don't care if you're a truck driver. I don't care if you're a nurse. I don't care if you're a school teacher. Your vocation might not be a five-fold ministry gift, but you are part of the voice of God in your community. And He's called us to it. Alright? And He's commissioned us for this great work. And that work is for us to go forward in His name and see a generation one to Christ. And He's given us a promise. And, and there's many things we could say about that promise, but I want to read the main promise that God has given all of us. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. And here's what the Scripture says. And this is the promise that He has promised us even eternal life. And so we have the eternal life of Almighty God residing on the inside of us that we can distribute to a world that is dying and lost without hope, without Christ. And the only hope that there is for any of us is found in Christ. And so those three, verse, those three sections of Scripture taken together form a mindset for us that in the last days God has called us to something. He's promised us eternal life. We have it now. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. We have it now. But He doesn't want us to simply rest in that eternal life. He wants us to distribute that eternal life wherever we go. And if God has called us to such a task... And if He has called us in such a time as it is becoming increasingly unpopular to present Christ to the masses, then what would ever make us think that He would not provide for us when we do so? You know, there's people who are afraid to witness for the Lord because they might lose their job. 
there are people who are who are nervous about praying for people to be healed because what if they don't get it? And all of these different things that we face out there. But I want you to know that if God has asked us to do it, if God has commanded us to do it, He will bring the provision that we need in order to do it. And so we might lose an earthly job. We might lose earthly friends. We might lose supporters. But at the same time, God is our source. And He is the entire source for all our provision. And He will not ask us to do things. You know, God's not going to owe any man anything. He's not going to ask us to do stuff that He won't pay for. Right? And He's not going to ask us to share our faith and then nobody get saved. He's not going to ask us to pray for the sick and nobody get healed. Now, everybody might not get saved that we witness to, and everybody certainly will not get healed that we pray for. And that's where sometimes it comes in to test our faith and to see if we really understand who we are in Christ Jesus and where do we get our identity and all of these different issues that we're going to have to sift through as we go about this. But all the time, God is going to be providing for us. And we need to stop a moment and realize that provision doesn't just have to do with finances. And, and I know that's the most popular way to preach about provision. And there's not, it's not wrong to preach about financial provision. That's a part of it. It's, it's not wrong. So, some people get so upset that, that preachers get up and say, well, God's going to bless us. Like that's a really bad thing. God is going to bless us, and He does want to bless us financially. Absolutely. I mean, if you're a tither and a giver, you can actually expect God to bless you financially. But that's not the limit of provision. You can break that down into this, provision. But here's the key to the whole thing. It's God's vision. And God is interested in the Gospel going forth to all the earth. And so anytime we plug into His vision, we can fully expect Him to bless us and provide for us even if the world turns against us and even if people fire us from our jobs or whatever the case might be, I would not refuse to witness no matter what, because that is my commission from the Heavenly Father. I would not be afraid to share Jesus anywhere that I was, because I know that I was looking for a job the day I found that. And that's just my attitude right there. But there are some very real situations where people do depend on their source of income. But I want to challenge us all today to begin more and more to depend on the Lord as our source because we're facing some times where we might see an increase in some of these situations. And we definitely want to have our faith where it needs to be. You know, if your faith is in Dow Chemical, you might be disappointed someday. But I have a Jesus who will provide long after Dow Chemical has shut their doors to you, or whatever company you work for, I use that one as an example. Jesus will take care of you. He has called you to be here. You are alive on the earth for such a time as this. It's not an accident, and God's not going to leave you to flounder. Now, don't make bad choices and bad decisions. Uh, 
and expect God to take the blame for it because that's not going to work either. But, don't be afraid to stand up and be counted for God in this generation. In 1663, a great Puritan pastor by the name of Thomas Watson said this, If we find ourselves in great trouble, and and I'm using this tonight specifically for those who are warriors in the day that we're living in, for those who are standing up for Jesus in this generation, at this time, if we find ourselves in great trouble, there are promises that will work for our good. Psalm 91.15 says, I will be with Him in trouble. God is telling that. He will be with us when we find ourselves in trouble. God doesn't bring His people into the troubles and leave them there. He stands by them. He'll hold their heads and hearts when they are fainting. I want you to think of it. There's another promise in Psalm 37, 39. He is their strength in the time of trouble, the Bible says. Oh, says the soul, I will faint in the day of trial. Now this is how Thomas Watson uh, brought his point across. He said, oh, says the soul. The soul, you understand, is man's mind, his will, and his emotions. I'm going to faint in the day of trial. But God will be the strength of our hearts. He will join His forces with us. Either He will make His hand lighter, or our faith stronger. Do you fear outward wants? There's a promise in Psalm 34.10 that says, They that seek the Lord shall not want, and that word want means lack. It doesn't mean desire. It means lack any good thing. You will not lack any good thing. If it is good for us, we will have it. If it's not good for us, then the very withholding of it is in itself good. In Exodus 23 and 25, the Lord said, I will bless thy bread and thy water. Do you realize that most Americans could make do quite nicely with a whole lot less than what they have. I mean, should God ask us to sacrifice in order that souls would be saved and won to Jesus and brought into the house of God? Should God call upon us to sacrifice in order that the message would go out? Do you realize that the vast majority of Americans can get by quite nicely on less than what they presently have? Absolutely. And a little bit with the blessing of God on it is better than if we had the whole world and lost our soul. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. I want to say that again. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. This blessing falls as the honeydew upon the leaf. It sweetens the little that we possess. Let me be without the venison so that I may have the blessing, Thomas Watson said. But I fear I shall not get a livelihood. Well, pursue that Scripture that says Psalm 37.25 I have been young and now I am old but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 
how you and I must come to understand this in this day. While God may not choose to make us rich, He certainly chooses to bless what we possess if we will walk before Him in humility and with purity of heart. David speaks an observation of his own that he never saw a godly man brought so low that he did not have a bit of bread to put into his mouth. And so we could ask each other tonight, have you ever starved to the point of death? No. Most of you haven't. Now there are people in the world, in places of the world, that God loves every bit as much as He loves the United States of America, where hunger is a real issue. And I believe with all of my heart that you and I are called to be the answer to their prayer, give us this day our daily bread, as we give and as we share what we have. And we've been so blessed in this country. We've been so blessed that we are called to be a blessing because David said it and the Word of God is true. I don't know what human experience has taught us, but I know the Word is true. And he says he never saw the righteous and their seed in lack. And that's what I believe. And I believe that we can stand on those promises and we can claim provision if we are about the Father's business in these last days. If we are last days warriors, if we are if we are burdened to share Jesus with others, not to share uh, ourselves or humanity or, or build up a person or a place, but if we're willing to share Jesus, I believe we can expect God to honor His Word of provision in our life. And I, I think that we need to let God define that provision because it may not be what we thought. And God never said He would give us everything we want, but He would give us enough. And He's the God of more than enough. And so we have to un-Americanize this for just a moment and realize that we don't have to have the biggest and the best to call ourselves blessed. Because we are blessed, and God has promised if you're out there on the front lines, if you're doing what I've asked my body to do, and this is where we've lost it so many times because we want to leave that all up to the pastor, or we want to leave all that up to the evangelist. But I want to tell you in the New Testament, God calls every single Christian to be soul winners. And I wonder, you know, so many times I want to ask people, when is the last time you won a soul to Jesus? And people want to say, well, you're, you know, don't put guilt off onto me. Well, listen, that's the Bible, folks. When's the last time you even witnessed to a stranger about the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't you realize how fun that is? Don't you realize how exciting that can be? You say, well, I'm afraid. Well, God wants to deliver you from that fear. And He will when you take a step in faith. He'll begin to knock that fear down until pretty soon it's not there anymore. And you'll just be talking to people about the glory of Jesus all the time. These are the warriors that God will provide for in the last days. People who are out there sharing their faith. People who are taking on a prayer mantle 
and they're, they're, they're praying deeper than just, Lord God, save this one. Lord God, bless that one. But they're getting into the Word of God and into the Spirit, and they're letting the Holy Spirit teach them how to pray. These are the, the last day's warriors that God has committed to provide for in these last days. And you can take it to the bank. You can rest assured that you will not suffer lack if you're doing what God has said for you to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. David never saw the righteous or their seed lacking. Now listen. There's times when the Lord might try godly parents and they might try the godly parents for a while by way of want. They might try their seed but they will be provided for. Do you realize that some of the things that we believe God for is not only about us? And so sometimes, you know, like we say, well, I want Cousin Bill to be saved, and I'm going to pray for that, I'm going to fast for that, and I'm going to witness to Cousin Bill, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But sometimes God also wants to teach us some things in that process. And so He delays an answer. He tries us. And here's one thing I want you to understand. If you're being tried, if you're being tested, if you find yourself in divers' trials today, you can know that you are walking a godly path. Because God's not going to try, He's not going to test the ungodly. He knows what they're all about. But He sees something in you that He can polish and He can refine and He can use to bring glory to Jesus Christ in this generation. And so it seems like all hell is breaking loose around you. You are in the trial by fire because you are godly. I read the verse of Scripture to you that says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are godly. And when God looks at you, He sees you as godly. And you're in a trial by fire because you're godly. And you're going to grow more and more and more. And instead of just that one cousin getting saved you may ultimately get 50 to 60 to 100 people saved just because of the process God's taking you through right now. That provision will be there for those who are truly warriors in the last days. You might be reduced to great straits, Thomas Watson said, but you will never be forsaken. You will still be an heir of heaven. And God still loves you even if you don't see all these answers in the immediate. So the question would be asked as it was posed in 1663 to Thomas Watson, how do the promises of God work for my good? The answer, they are food for faith and they strengthen faith for good. For good works, for good in your life, and for good in the lives of those around you. The promises of God are the milk of faith. 
faith will suck the nourishment from the promises. In Genesis 32 and 7, it says that Jacob feared exceedingly. His spirit was ready to faint. Then he goes to the promise, Lord, Thou hast said Thou wilt do me good. And so we can come to those times in our lives when we're wrestling with God over promises that He's made to us and promises that He's given in His Word. Sometimes we wrestle with the Lord all night in prayer and we still seemingly don't see the end result that we want. But we can have a knowing and a peacefulness on the inside of us that God has promised to do us good. The promises of God are also springs of joy. There's more in promises to comfort than there is in the world to perplex us. I want you to understand that. Jesus boldly stated in John 10.29 that no man can pluck my children out of my hand and my Father's hand. The promises of God will keep us from perishing in the afflictions of life that the world promotes on us every single day. And so as we stand here today, and we, we can see the ground ahead. We can see the direction that God wants to take His church in these last days. And we can also see the kind of reaction that we're going to receive in many places when we bring the light of Scripture to bear on, on situations in our world. When we call sin, sin when we stand up and boldly state things that 50 years ago wouldn't have even been in question, when we say that God has ordained that marriage be between a man and a woman, when we boldly stand up and say that Christians have no business drinking an alcoholic beverage, when we stand up and boldly say that if Netflix is going to continue to attack the moral fiber of this nation, then Christians should cancel their subscriptions. When we stand up and take a bold stand for the Word of God to the point that even sometimes other Christians will persecute us and will mock us. But when we do that, we can rest assured by the promises of Almighty God that God will provide for us. Hallelujah. Even if people leave and walk away, God will provide for us. When we take the stand that He is requiring in this hour, that we take... And some of it's going to be severe. Some of it's going to be, you know, it's going to carry consequences with it. We just live in a world of consequences. There's an old television show <clears throat> that was called Truth and Consequences. We've got a lot of consequences in our world today and precious little truth. And that's why it's of the utmost importance that churches continue and if you haven't been, start now proclaiming truth. The truth of the Word of God. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care what your friends are doing. I don't care what your family's doing. I don't care anything about it at all. Preach the truth of the Word of God. Call sin what it is and tell people that Jesus loves them so much that He died on the cross for them never compromising the position of Scripture, but in order to fulfill all things He died, that's what we represent.
in this generation. And we don't have to say what we say with rancor and hate and anger. We say it simply because it's the truth of the Word of God. And we tell people that Jesus made a way that they can be saved. And they don't have to be in bondage. They can choose to stay in bondage if that's their desire, but they can be free. And we're the ones to tell them. Because, you know, Charles Spurgeon's not alive today. Thomas Watson's not alive today. Billy Graham's not alive anymore. You know, D.L. Moody's no longer alive. Smith Wigglesworth and Lester Summerall are no longer with us on the earth. It's you and it's me today that bears the responsibility to preach the true gospel. Not a cultural manipulation of the gospel, but the true gospel that will stand the test of all the ages. And as we do that, God has promised to provide for you. You will not lack bread. You will not lack sustenance as you lay it all on the line for Jesus Christ. In this generation, at this time in the earth, we've won some victories over the last weeks, but the attacks of the evil one will not let up. They will, it will continue. And our faith will be challenged. And the words of this book that we proclaim will continue to be challenged. And we need to be the men and the women that will have the courage to stand for what is right in a day when evil and wrong is the prevalent way that our society is going. And so I want to leave you with this encouragement uh, as we go tonight. God will never leave you or, for <clears throat> or forsake you as you proclaim the vision that came from His heart, which is a vision of peace. It's a vision of unity. It's a vision of freedom from sin. It's a vision of righteousness. And when you are pro-vision, when you are pro-these things that are from the heart of God, He will provide for you each step of the way. I'll be back in just a few minutes to make a few more announcements. Some of it you're going to want to hear as we talk about what God is doing in some rehabilitation centers across the country. And God is going to provide for you. He's going to provide for us as we march forward in this society, in this darkened hour, with the gospel of Jesus Christ.